0: Tell your story. Because the more you talk about what you're building, then people who know how to build it flock to you. The Mm. best help that we had came from somebody who just started following our social media. And then one day he said, hey, I think I have an easy solve for you. And I don't know. We're like, I've been looking for somebody (laughs) like you. So...
1: What up, though, Black Friday family, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am joined by Alexa and Johnny Turnage.
0: How y'all doing today? Oh, we're feeling really good. It's a good Friday.
2: Yes, we are so happy to be here with you all today. We appreciate y'all for having us on.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time to be on. And you all are joining uh, from the standpoint of your business, Even Score. And so I would like to learn a little bit more about that. So if you can invite us into your world and, and tell us more about
0: Even Score and how it came about. Yeah. So, Evenscore is an impact-focused small-dollar donation platform. We help our users turn data into stories to maximize the impact for the causes they care about most. So, simply put, think of a TikTok meets a Robinhood app. So, you can donate, share videos, but also track your impact with some of those data analytics.
1: I love it. I love it. So, now that we have uh, learned a little bit more about your background and Evenscore, I want to Turn the corner a little bit and introduce you to my favorite part of Black Fridays, which is Freestyle Fridays. So this is and because y'all a couple, it should be interesting. But it's a a random assortment of questions about y'all. So you shouldn't get any of them wrong. And my only rules is that you answer everyone. You answer honestly, of course. All right. So let's do it. And y'all got both of y'all have to answer each question.
0: Ooh, This is fun.
1: All right. So let's do it. What's the most
0: random job that you ever had? Ooh, okay. So, for random jobs, I spent one summer setting up bounce houses around Oakland County. <laughs> and it paid in cash. It was random because I'd set them up in the morning and then we take them down. But the most interesting part is it wasn't always kids running these bounce houses. So, you'd have to get a bunch of drunk college kids out of bounce houses like, it's 8 o'clock. What's going on in here? And... But it was fun. It was like a super easy, laid-back job. You want to make a few hundred dollars a weekend, you could do it.
2: (laughs) You're so funny because I could just see you going around setting up these bounce houses. Um, (laughs) But for me, after college, um, I was kind of, you know, just looking to make some extra money. We know everybody in Detroit has an extra hustle. Mm -hmm. And I began doing some case study work for General Motors. (laughs) Um, And so I would... um, go to the Warren Tech Center and they would just I would come in and I would spend like an hour just answering questions about new technology and where the future of the automotive industry is going and what new features they want to we want to see as customers in newer vehicles Mm -hmm. and so I spent I did that for about two years and it was just something extra that I did it was very very random for my normal scope of work but Mm -hmm. it really worked out for me because it was Really flexible with my schedule, and it was just something that I could do really easily. Honestly, nice, not a bad deal. <laughs> right, not a bad deal exactly. At all.
1: <laughs> oh, what is the most random job I ever had? Yeah, uh, let Who I got a few of them. Um, I was a uh, flag football referee for a few years nice. for college students and for little league, so like four to six or seven year olds. That's some of the best flag football I've ever seen in my life. Some of the best football I've ever seen in my life. Some real athletes I out there, with the, yeah, with the kids Um and the parents was always uh, pure comedy. But you know, I didn't. Unlike a lot of referees, I didn't play that. So yeah, they they wasn't getting the best of me. Um, and if I had to give you another one, it's another random job I did. Telemarketing, uh, which was horrible. Hated it. So never don't zero zero out of ten stars. I don't recommend it. Could imagine. So uh, next up, I would love to know. I like to know, like to know people's lottery strategies. So if I drop hundred million dollars on you, untaxed right now, you just hit the lottery. What's your plan of attack? What's Ooh, What's the I'm first thing Alexa you do? let go because
0: she's got a clear <laughs> plan on this one. You can go first.
2: The funny part is we've talked about this scenario multiple times because the lottery is what it is. It's very random, and I believe, and I've learned from Johnny, my husband, that. If you want something to happen or if it's going to ever happen, have a plan for it. Don't just let something happen. How are you going to execute if this happens? And the first thing we decided together that we would do it if we ever came with the came up with the lump sum of money is to put half of it away. Like, don't touch it. Don't think about it. Just let it go away and let it be there. And then um, we would definitely come up with some type of plan to make sure that we're protected and safe. Because when you come up with that much money, some people might want to bring you harm, mm-hmm. all those type of things. And so just making sure that we're safe, our family's safe, and just really see if we would want to stay in the same state that we are now if we want to move. That would be my first steps. What about you?
0: I agree with what said. Definitely put half away, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about it. But we talked about how are we going to, one, buy some property so our family can have a place to live, so we can live closer together. I think a lot of us... If money wasn't an option, we'd probably live in the same little, like, community. So we might Mm -hmm. just go ahead and become real estate developers. Um, Supporting businesses. We got a lot of family members working on things that are, like, capital is hard. So how could we get into business investing and, like, use the money we have to, like, match dollars going to their businesses? Um, And although I've never felt that obligated for it, Alexa really wants a big house. So I'd probably (laughs) have to, like, get her... Some type of house at some That's point. a non-negotiable. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. <laughs>
2: I like to entertain.
0: I have a really big
2: family. We all live here in the city of Detroit, so mm. I definitely would like a space for us all to be able to congregate. That would be really nice. Okay. So, that would definitely be one for me.
0: Not mad at just it. Just to make sure. She's not exaggerating. They have 50 people at a small family <laughs> gathering. That's a normal, that's just a Sunday breakfast, and it is the most interesting thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: I am, I am familiar. My fiance is uh, my soon to be wife. She has a big family as well. So I, I identify. So
2: you know exactly what we're talking about. Yes. But it's always a good time.
1: And it's always a lot <laughs> exactly. of love. So yeah, exactly. you can't be, can't be mad at that. Um, I would love to, I love to ask couples this. I would like to know from your interpretation, what does your spouse splurge on? Like, what's their thing? Like, money is no object. I'm just like, they always spend the money on this particular thing, or they spend the most money on that particular thing.
2: This is that's a very very good question. Um I would say for Johnny, what he'll actually splurge on that I sometimes may not, he'll splurge on experiences, mm. which I actually really really appreciate cuz he's opened up my eyes to something that I really wouldn't normally pay much attention to. So like concerts or us taking a trip together or us or us being able to experience something together for the first time. Mm. He's definitely willing to splurge on that and I've been like, "Oh, I've come along." ways now and be like yeah that's actually something we should explore you on us experience a new thing so that's something i appreciate
0: oh alexa i'd say comfort like specifically making sure we have the food that she wants or if we're going out of town she can't just stay anywhere (laughs) i'm like oh we're not even gonna be at the place no she has to have a specific kind of place um and i love it because it's probably kept us from like I don't care. We'll end up at the worst hotels, <laughs> the worst Airbnbs if it's up to me. Alexa's going to find something that's safe. Yeah.
2: Safe. And that looks really pretty. If I'm going to spend money being somewhere,
0: <laughs> it has to be to certain
1: standards. So, yes, I will stand by that. I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> not mad at it at all. And if you both could give me a book that you like to read. what's your, Or that you're currently reading or a favorite book that you've read in the past.
2: Hmm. One book that I always find myself coming back to, and this is over the last. Fifteen years is a uh, battlefield of the mind by Joyce Myers. It's something that I really, really enjoy and just helps with um, fear and anxiety and really how you master your own mind and how you move forward when different challenges come about. So that's a really book that I've been, I'll go back to for years to come. And I've been reading it over the last ten to fifteen years. I always go back to it.
0: Nice. Yeah. For books for me, it's, I was a big fan of John Grisham for a bit. So I just like read everything he did. And I think the one that stood out the most was The Broker. Um, all his books were always about people using their minds to creatively move and regular people kind of moving, moving up, getting a lot of money, what they do with it and how they have a plan to actually, it comes back to your lottery question. A lot of his books have you think a lot about what do you do if you get that end. <laughs> um, they're always fun. Like it's, I think it's, mix a fiction with like real life.
1: Love it. Love it. So, congrats to y'all. Y'all successfully passed Freestyle Fridays. Woo! So, appreciate y'all engaging in the shenanigans and if we go back to learning more about even score. So, the platform is definitely something that is necessary and I know that you had mentioned like as far as people that you know in your immediate family or maybe starting business ventures and you would love to be able to support on a larger scale. Uh, it seems like this platform would allow people to do that on a more consistent basis, but wanted to know, how did this come about? Like, what was the motivation in terms of uh,
0: starting this thing up and wanting to get this up and running? Yeah, so for me, Score is a real deep dive into my personal work. I've been a community organizer since I was 12 um, and have grown up in it, going from volunteering to leading to, like... Organize, lead organizing roles and political roles. And then I spent six years at United Food and Commercial Workers running their political pack, doing contract negotiations. So I got to see how money flows. I got to see what it looks like, when members are paying weekly, what members are paying into political dollars. And actually similar to your story, in 2020, George Floyd is murdered. It's the first time in years that I'm not in the field for a fight and I really have to go through One, I've got to protect Alexa and her family, very high risk. And they were my COVID pod. So I wasn't around anybody else but them, but I'm also like, we could be doing better. There's a lot more that we can do. And I had to really reflect on what my revolution was. And the one thing I started doing was really following the money and seeing how much of the money was being committed and pledged to black communities, pledged to the most vulnerable communities, but wasn't going, um, and at the time, some friends who are way more interested in tech than I actually was like, started exposing me to some things, and then I reached out to a progressive venture firm and told them, like, here's my story, here's what I know how to do, can you help me? And they spent about six to eight months helping us refine it to really build a platform. So it comes from, I've worked in the organizing in Detroit, around the country, and I know that if... The money lined up with the people if the people who are donating actually were sending their money to the things that they really wanted to see change on there'd be a lot more money going into our communities which are often the most vulnerable we talk about climate justice most of the money in climate justice from the federal government is going to organizations that aren't in the communities that have the biggest pollution numbers so i'm like there's a whole thing there where it's a three billion dollar funding gap And if more people knew about that, we could actually redirect money going. There's over $500 billion being donated every year. So we're talking a small fraction actually going to, I don't know, lowering asthma rates, like making sure there's healthy food. So lots of, like, my life, but I think also Alexa was, like, crucial in that and her life, like, aligns too. You want to add?
2: Sure. Um, I kind of joined Johnny with Even Score a little more down the line. Like, he said he started um, in – got some uh, VC uh, money to kind of really build out the initial stages. And then um, last year we won uh, Michigan's first Tech Week pitch competition. at Michigan Tech Week, thank you. And I really kind of jumped on board at that point because once he won, there was a lot of traction, a lot of excitement and attention. And so I was like, okay. And he was like, let's go at this together so we can kind of get further quicker because everything really took off at that point. And so we at that point we had speaking engagements and we went to Afrotech and we spoke there and just we were really able to travel the country and really shed some light on exactly what we're doing and help people understand so that they can make the most impact with their money.
1: Love it. Love it. And as you are um, being black and in the tech space, what was that like for you, um, learning more about how that space kind of operates? Because it's not, it's very tricky to navigate. Um, It wasn't necessarily built for us as somebody, as I mentioned to you earlier, somebody who works in tech currently, um, you know, it's still a a tricky space to navigate. So I wanted to know how it was, what was your experience like being black and
0: entering this space? Yeah. So, Tech is just like a lot of spaces. When we're in there, we're in a, there's a small group of us, and you have to get used to that. I mean, it's hard, but in order to find the investment, get the traction, there's a lot of that. You have to get used to being the only one in the room. But what we started doing both with Alexa and then even other entrepreneurs from the Michigan ecosystem is pairing up, working together, doing targeted intros, talking to uh, founders who've already gone through some of this process with certain investors where you go... Are they saying no to me because it's a bad idea or is it me like, what is it? And then learning, I'm like, well, if all the other founders who look like me have said the same thing about this investor, I'm not going to take that as hard. So definitely seeking out community. We also like did a lot to seek out mentors to even help us navigate. So um, I specifically did seek out like a white mentor. I'm like, let's talk about the landscape of t- tech. Help me understand what's racist, what's normal for them. Like... So I can first make sure are we speaking the same language because early on I wasn't from tech so I'm learning a lot. I'm on a call they're asking me about terms and I'm like I don't even know what you're saying. Please say this to me a way that I can answer the question. I just don't know it. And I'm like when you get that knowledge it helps and you know Michigan Tech Week is important because we had a lot of entrepreneurs that helped push us up, but it also like let us know that this is a hard space to navigate. So we've been very intentional on. How are we making sure, um, Gil Perry Mason always says this, but how are we making sure we're sending the elevator back down regardless of where we are, right? Like, let's make sure we're pulling people up and let's be unselfish with the relationships. If I'm with a founder and I'm like, oh, hey, there's an investor in the room. Hey, that's so-and-so. You should know them. Here's what they look for. Maybe you should approach them this way because I know it's about the relationship. And for some people, even if I'm not in relationship with that investor like that, because I know them, they're more willing to talk to you now that I said, oh, hey, here's someone Um, They're always looking for a person to vouch. So I'm like, I try to be uh, very friendly with warm introductions. Other founders did that for us. And I will say, though, we're being very intentional on building a community of like black people in tech, both in Michigan but around the country. So everywhere we go, we do make sure we make some friends and (laughs) ask questions because it's challenging. And then you see it. I'm like, well, when you talk to people in D.C., also when you talk to black people who have more money in tech and then they let you know, hey, No, there are some things wrong, but the stats show when you have a lead black investor, your company goes further because you have somebody who is rooting for your success and you're not a box that they checked on their quota for the year. So I'm like, that is important. Um, Yeah.
2: No, I definitely agree with everything you said. And I think an important part to remember is we're not only black in tech, we're not out west where a lot of innovation happens in tech and Silicon and we're not in New York and we're in the Midwest. So that in itself brings apart, it brings about a different avenue that we're going to be walking on. But what Johnny does a really good job of and what he touched on is making sure that we are connected not only to community, but people who have been where we are and people who are where we're trying to get to. And I think that's been, like you said, one of the most pivotal moments for us and pivotal parts because As we continue to build and scale, there are other people who have walked this route, who have been on this journey, and they've been able to help us a lot and shine light on things that we didn't know or haven't been able to see um, that has really been helpful for us.
0: I think the last thing I'll say on that is it's important to get that community because early on, I think, I speaking for myself, it was killing my mental health. I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this wrong, if it's not a good idea. And you start to doubt yourself, but then you get around, I went on a founder's retreat in August, and I'm there with 10 other ten other CEO founders, and I'm like, half of us are underrepresented, black, brown, um, and a black founder and a Latino founder set me down and walked me through their journeys and told me what actually worked and what we needed to do. And since then, I was like, okay, I know what I have to do. And I'm like, it's so helpful, but like, you need to get that, because otherwise, you will be thinking, am I, is my idea not good? Because I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't know, so I'm like it's important to get community and talk to people who are in the industry because otherwise, I'm at founders who have it's taken them two years to get over. Like everybody told me it was a bad idea,
1: mm-hmm. so. and that and people thought Facebook was stupid when it first came out too. But right. yeah, so <laughs> I mean, you know, it definitely happens. But um, what I wanted to ask as far as you gaining that confidence and flexing those muscles when you were ready to take this thing to the next step. And like you said, you were able to win a a grant or pitch competition and then also get venture capitalism funding. What is that process like in terms of not only... Getting those resources or being able to get in the room and um, have the opportunity to compete for those, but then seeking those out because a lot of people that's uh, kind of like in our space or more in the early stage entrepreneurship um, phase, but then even some that's later in the phase have a hard time, especially if you're black or brown, finding these resources. So how have you all been able to seek those out and then also uh, be able to get awarded funding for what you're doing? Yeah
0: um it has a lot to do with network and I know it's hard because we hear about it all the time but it is so much about who you know and don't think about just because you don't know somebody as a downside um do a lot of planning I spend a lot of time making lists from LinkedIn following blog posts going okay this person this person um even I started doing what I call like one-on-one uh one-on-one like random one-on-one dates. So I'm like five to 10 new people a week. I try to stick with that minimum five where I just reach out to an investor, a founder, somebody else and have that virtual coffee, meet up with them in person I can and ask about their network. It came from people making those first few connections for us and then us always going deeper asking for who else because it's a lot like speed dating. Um, You are gonna have to get a bunch of no's. You're gonna be looking for the right people because it's not just Oh, their website says they invest in this and this. They're investing in the person. When you're early stage, they're trying to figure out are you willing to run the race that is a marathon of founding a company? You're gonna get a lot of no's. You're gonna have Silicon Valley Bank close, and you're gonna go through a day of, well, maybe I lost all the money of my business. And I'm like, you have to be ready for that. And that's what they're looking for because your business is gonna pivot, it's gonna change, there's gonna be new opportunities. So doing the work on the network, looking for an ecosystem, once I got connected to the Detroit, the Michigan ecosystem, it really started to make some things easier because I showed up on a few people's doorstep like, all right, here's where I am. I need to know about this. And when someone can introduce you to the head of a fund and they walk you through, here's what your projections need to look like. Here are the intros I can make. Um, You could be ready in a year for this fund that invests a minimum of a million dollars. And you're like oh, okay, you've given me some steps that I know. Now I know the right milestones. I know what to plan for. Or I can talk to people who would have never taken a cold email from me, mm-hmm. and that makes it a little bit easier. And then you get to, you know, I had people prep me. For Tech Week, I wasn't even going to submit for the competition because I wasn't clear if we were, based on that, I was like, are we too early? Are we are we, are we available for this opportunity? Um, but the Michigan Founders Fund hosted it. And I was like, well, I just went to the retreat. I know them. I think I should do this. And then all the founders who I just met, I'm like, we had to build a team of founders. And I'm like, all right, I got founders who we can work with. And when you can lean on that ping pong on another entrepreneur, it really helps pull you we pulled each other up, because i am admit, our team before the pitch, backstage, I won't even, won't say which ones, but a couple people were hyperventilating, <laughs> and it was like, because uh, the pitch competition was at gym theater, so this is a big, full auditorium mm-hmm. on a real stage, and we've been backstage, so we don't even know. I'm like, is the crowd excited? Are they, what are we going to? And then you're there with the bright lights and the time clock on the stage, you're like, this is a real competition. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> um, but... Stock some people on social media. Like, make your list. Whatever industry you're building in, figure out some good examples of what you like. Stock their Crunchbase. Go on Crunchbase. Look at who's invested in them. Ask those people for introductions. Like, um, you're going to get some people who just don't respond. I respond to my LinkedIn messages, even though it takes a bit sometimes. And like, people responded to theirs for me. So I try to pay it back. And I'm like, take that LinkedIn message. Even if it's just a 15, 20-minute call with a founder to say what you're doing, those are introductions that turned into customers. And there's a grant that we're pursuing that is because we made a post on LinkedIn and somebody said, hey, I really like it. Congratulations on winning the competition. And now they've introduced us to investors and other. And I'm like, it does take the work. And it's it's unfortunate, but if you spend a little bit of time, even just a day a week on What's your network? Make your list of people and start going to talk to them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that was, that was profound right there. Right. Uh, so I wanted to know as far as developing, because this is an app-based business, correct? So as far as the process of developing an app, what does that look like in um, the ins and outs of how you had to go through that? Because it seemed like it took some time, even when you did get the yeah. proper resources to um, <clears throat> kind of get that going.
0: Yeah, so it definitely takes time. However much time you're thinking you need, give yourself more space, right? You're gonna go through some learnings, and the one thing that I think slowed us up is when we started out, we had this idea that it had to be perfect to come out. <clears throat> because of that, we we got ahead, and as soon as it wasn't perfect, we're like, "All right, I guess we were we overshot our launch. We got to go back." Um, then someone set us down. I was like, "Nah, you have more than a lot of people. Actually, you should start using this." Right? Maybe you don't open it up for revenue, but start doing user tests. Get your beta users on it. And learning that in tech, it's a science experiment. You're saying, here's what I think could happen, and then you go test it out. And then you learn a lesson from that, and you bring it back. So like, give yourself time. Get some technical advisors. Um, early on, we didn't do enough to get more technical advisors, so it sent us through a longer time process. Then you go get some who, you know, after an hour-long conversation, they jot up an outline, and you're like, I think you just saw what we've been (laughs) stuck on for six months. I'm like, there are some really talented people, and you got to get connected to them. Um, I think the important part with even the tech part is tell your story because the more you talk about what you're building, then people who know how to build it flock to you. The Mm. best help that we had came from somebody who just started following our social media, and then one day he said, hey, I think I have an easy solve for you. And I don't know, we're like, I've been looking for somebody (laughs) like you, so – telling your story, getting the tech help and a lot of cities are opening up more, but look for who is doing tech in your city and go talk to them cuz there are some tech grants out here. We just got one where I'm like they brought on developers that they let me recruit to pay to build to build what we needed and I'm like mm-hmm. that helps. So look for entrepreneur grants. Yeah,
1: that's really good. Nice, nice. And um as far as the market goes, I want to know like what holes did you see in the market from? Because there's other crowdfunding sources, right. so you got your GoFundmes, you got your. Uh, I mean, some people just put the Cash App in the bio nowadays. Right. So, as far as uh, the market and the landscape of it right now, how do you kind of feel? Even Score is different right. from those, and and what does it offer that those don't?
0: So the main thing we're doing with Even is trying to get you past the fact that when you're a nonprofit or someone running for office. It's easy Maybe you can get that first-time donor, but they don't stay engaged, right? They fall off. They've donated to you once, and then they disappear. By using the story sharing, we're trying to make you more real to them and them more real to you, because it's not just the the donor who's recording a video about why I donated to this organization. The organization itself then gets into the culture of recording a video of what they did, what's going on, because when donors have that feedback loop, they stay engaged. We also do a lot to pull data analytics together, so that way we can give you a better direction of where where your money is going and also, like, is this the best organization? So as we get out there, even score is even score because there's a score that'll be associated with every campaign and nonprofit. So you can come on there and look for where, where can you maximize your dollar? Um, and then I think I'll also say a lot of the, tools out there are more so payment processors we're not just Mm. trying to service the organization receiving the money we want to focus more of our energy on building a tool for the everyday person who does care who wants to make impact and social media throttles a lot of stuff if you're a black business black candidate um honestly if you're too community friendly sometimes i'm like your social media kind of stats disappear Mm. unless you're a certain kind of marketing And I'm like, that's unfortunate because then there's a lot of stuff that happens in our communities that people just never hear about. So we're trying to give you that platform to continuously tell the story. And for the person who does care, they should be able to come on, discover a few new organizations and go, oh, great. Now I know what to do. And that's that's personal to me. I'm on a board of an organization here in Detroit. And in 2020, they raised half a million dollars from individual donors out west but it was because someone else organized it they never got those donors names and i'm like those are people who are willing to give half a million dollars to your organization <laughs> you might you want to stay in touch to yeah. Up with. yeah And i'm like we need a tool to capture that because just like for an entrepreneur i'm like the people who support you whether they're giving money all the time they're signing petitions or signing pledges i'm like they are important and we need to get those people directly connected so we're always trying to get you a little bit more connected and make it a little bit more personal There are a lot of
2: different products out there that people can use for different things. And I think just to add on another unique thing that the Evenscore platform has is people can use Discovery on Evenscore Mm -hmm. to search for things that they care about, to search for things that they may care about in the future. Whether it be climate justice, whether it be the unhoused community, whether it be focusing on youth, you'll be able to use our app to not only look at things that you're currently interested in, but other things that you may not have even been thinking about. And another unique feature that we have is once you do find that organization that you're passionate about and you're like, hey, I want to donate to this, once you do donate, we're going to allow you to your front-facing camera to come on and you record a video that you can share with your friends and family on social media just saying why you donated and why you would encourage the people that you know to also take a look at this organization and see if they're interested in donating as well because there's so much power in our storytelling. Mm -hmm. And when we share what we're passionate about, that's how our money can make the most impact. Yep. So that's what's really important.
1: And I, if I can put my nerd hat on for uh, yeah. a second, um, thinking about the user experience of uh, the platform, how do you take that into consideration of people who will be using it? And, you know, for exa- the example you just shared about sharing a um, having something they can share on social about what they just did and who they donated to. How did you take the user experience into consideration for this?
0: Yeah, So this is a part where we had to do a lot of listening. We were were blessed to be able to do, um, one, because we traveled a lot, but also because we have a lot of friends and family who didn't mind doing interviews and just sharing out, inviting other people. We did a lot of listening to users. So we tested from the early from scratch version and throughout the process, always like, all right, what's better? And going forward, just that being a culture of, all right, let's listen. If someone says they like this, let's keep it. If not, and then we keep tweaking it, but how do we simplify what we're doing? And with that, that's where I say the new tech advisor we have has really been helping us. All right, as we get past this, we're still an early-stage startup. As we get past that phase and we think scale, he has been charting out the pathway to simplify. Like, let's make this so easy, um, like, not to, like... Talk down anyone, but like so easy a fifth grader can do it. Yeah. So that way, it can be a useful tool. We want to engage a younger generation, but I'm like there are still there are still boomers who are donating, and I'm like getting them involved digitally. More and more nonprofits are shifting their giving to digital mm-hmm. giving, but what that means is there's probably going to be a few less in-person fundraisers, a few less touch points. So how do we make sure that as people go digital, they still feel that relationship with the organization? And I think. Um, if we can continue, like it's going to be a learning process, but if we solve the real relationship and having a digital tool that gives you a real relationship with an organization, that's how we're going to provide the most value for organizations where it's not just, um, an app they come to, but they really go on and say, all right, how have I helped people like to help? They do feel, we feel, we all feel good when you get the thumbs up. Um, I always reference, you remember the Sarah McLaughlin commercials with the sad dog and they play the sad music and they are like, you know, 50 cents a day, we'll get this. And then they come back and they show you the happy dogs and you're like, yes. And I'm like, that that's actually what we need more of back into the space. Um, but I think that's going to be how we help level the playing field for black organizations who are doing a lot of work, but also don't get a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. And it's because we don't own our own narratives. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's so true. And we had to really, really pay attention to that aspect because the absolute most important part about Evenscore is our users, our consumers, and our community. The most, the thing that we're doing here is we're trying to make sure that every organization, every cause and campaign that's trying to do better for good, that, that's trying to do great things in the community, that they have a voice that they have supporters who can tell their story and that they can get the resources that they need. So we had to really listen to what our consumers and what the users would want, what other platforms didn't have, so that we could build what we're doing and make the most impact.
1: Love it. Sure. love it. So where do we go next with Evenscore? What's on the horizon? What are things that you plan on changing and updating if you can talk about it? Um, yeah, so where, where do we go from here?
0: So I think a piece is kind of big stuff. Ah, sorry, all tongue tied. Um, <laughs> the first step of where we're going is we started building even score and I think we built a little too quietly. We didn't really talk about our stories us, a enough and there's also been a lot of changes. Since October, we've expanded our team a little bit. Not only Alexa, but we pulled someone who used to work on the Biden campaign to come on and help us with like sales and growth. So that way, as we get past this next phase of like our public beta, we're ready to like already be grabbing those channel partners. We also tap someone who has um, some better operation like skills experience because Alexa and I do really good for sales and sharing the story. But I'm like, we need to anchor it because right now we, you know, you're doing too much double duty. So I'm like having those people who are um, two people we've had a lot of time to build a relationship with, but also understand the business and they're committed. And I'm like, we're blessed as a early stage startup to have a lot more senior talent than normal. Um, and I'm like, that's helping us get, be ready for a couple of these opportunities changes from I think early stage to we have our first national partnership and that lets the scale conversation be a little different. So doing a lot to just position for partnerships and, um, launch our storytelling campaign, doing some fundraising just to, we never did a fan, friends and family round, and as an entrepreneur, the one thing, sorry, I'm all over the place, no. but the one thing is with capital strategy, no one ever talked to me about that ahead of time. So early on, we got a little VC money, but I was like, I didn't know if I should still be fundraising or win the next milestone to hit, and I did not know how, like that Although I come from nonprofit, I didn't know that businesses had so many opportunities to go after grants and that there was so much non-dilutive capital and even – I did not know angel investors. The first time we're in Miami, we're at our Basel, we're talking to someone in the middle of the conversation. Someone goes, take it on investors or write you a check? And then they throw out a number and I'm like, are you are going to give me a five-figure check? And I'm like, okay, hold on. I got to call my attorney. I don't know if we can do I'm like, is this le- – like, what is this? And I'm like – I got to research the person. I'm Googling all of these things. And I'm like, we didn't have the full capital strategy. And then so we went and we learned it. We put it mm-hmm. together. And during that process, we got connected to angel investors and even family members who were like, we want to invest. So we've turned it into a bit of a crowdfunding campaign to have an excuse to not only like fundraise, but to tell our story differently. So we're going to do different features for the teammates. Um, actually, we're like excited to be on your podcast because this is a part of – introducing ourselves to the world and then getting people ready for our summer launch where we'll be in that public pilot. And, you know, anybody who's interested in playing with Evenscore, jump on. Talk to them right there. Yeah, let them know. Yeah, anybody (laughs) who's interested in jumping on Evenscore, um, look out in the summer. We'll be putting a date out here soon where you can jump on the platform and support. Support is building it. We want to hear from you and, you know, also – I would love you, to watch my social media, we're going to be sharing out the crowdfunding videos. A big piece of it is really just hearing our story. Um, that's another reason we're actually excited to be here. We filmed our, all our crowdfunding content at Centric Place. One because of Freedom Road, because I am mean, I'll keep saying it, I said it on the 23rd at the Founders event, there is something special about being at a place called Centric Place on Freedom Road. Um, and I think it's important. So we also wanted to use our crowdfunding campaign to tell our story, but to tell the story of all the entrepreneurs who've been supporting us. And Rachel and Gerard have really been, become friends and mentors to us. And just like, we're a couple, we're a couple entrepreneurs together. We're new in this space, but being a black entrepreneur in Michigan is a different challenge, uh, being in Michigan, being in the Midwest, compared to um, other parts of the country. So for us, I'm like, share our content, watch the story it's going to be a fun little couple months. Um, we, have so, we have so much recorded <laughs> content. Um, I can't wait to just share the journey because i are also giving out tips on how to go to Afrotech and meet that investor, how to go mm-hmm. there and you have an idea. I'm like, you can show up to some of these places with an idea on a napkin and meet the people you need to execute on that idea. But you got to manage your time. And mm. <clears throat> as I get more involved in the ecosystem, trying to bring some of what I felt around the country back to Michigan. So how are we going to have our own little Afrotech? How do we have our own Art battles? How do we – we have Michigan Fashion Week here, and I'm like, how do we have more of Michigan Fashion Week where there are some – I don't want to curse, but there are some amazing <laughs> entrepreneurs um, in our state who have to go elsewhere to get the love and support they need. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we got to start shining the light because what I learned going around the country these things is they do a really good job of saying – they're the best.
1: Tulsa yeah.
0: would have you believe that they are already the next new greatest thing yeah. and I'm like I love that they do that but we have to do it here. Right. We have so much opportunity.
1: And we are the trendsetters for Literally. a lot of like, things. We gotta keep setting But you the know trend. when it, when you got it like that you don't have to <laughs> broadcast it like that. Yeah. So yeah. all these other places out there that take claim for stuff that Detroit did first or set the trend for anything that you're saying is alleged. <laughs>
0: Look exactly. (laughs) I was gonna say, everybody versus Detroit shirts. I mean, let's be honest. How many states and cities have we seen with those same hoodies? And exactly, (laughs) but where they originate? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, props. Exactly. And last
1: question I want to ask before we uh, get out of here is: How is it being black in tech and running a tech business together as a couple? Yeah.
0: Do you want to start, or you want me to? Yeah, I'll say for us, it's like actually been really fun for whatever reason. Both of our social media started to like take bigger strides at the same time and it's given us an opportunity to really use our platform to talk about the issues, bring couples together. There are entrepreneurs that we pray with where... Normally you don't do that in the business world. So I'm like, we're praying together. We're talking about mental health together. Um, People like keep calling us a power couple. And I'm like, well, Alexa, if we're going to have a platform, let's start making a list of demands and ask for things and let's see what else we can do. So it's been fun for us. It's fun getting the support. Um, And then this made easy because our whole lives had to like merge together. So I'm like, we get to eat together, work together. We got to plan a lot of things. And, since Alexa joined, I'm like, the journey's not as lonely. Like, because it was kind of I'm like, man, this is a mountain to climb. What would you like to add? Yeah, being black and tech and
2: being partners in business and partners in life is something very, very unique. And I don't take it for granted. And I really believe that we're so blessed to be able to do what we do together. Because you could work with a lot of different people. But our unique skills, I think, really bring us together in a unique way. Like, where I'm strong... I can help Johnny where we, we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses really well. And I'm really thankful for that. So I would just encourage anybody that's thinking about working together. Um, take it one day at a time. We're not perfect. Of course we have our disagreements, but we work through it and uh, try to keep our maturity at a point where we can talk to each other. We can, I, I appreciate at this point that we've been able to talk through and work through anything. So I don't take that lightly. And That's it's been great. That's <laughs>
1: beautiful. We, and we definitely love to see it. And uh, can you let people know if they want to follow you all's journey? Uh, if they want to follow even score, if they want to be a part of the beta testing and, and um, jump on the app ASAP, if they want to invest it, we got some angel investors out there who want to drop some money on you all. Uh, where can they find you? How can they get in contact?
2: Yeah, so we're on all social media. Of course, you can check us out and follow us at evenscore.us. That's evenscore.us on our website. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Facebook or IG. We're we're all over the place, but you can find us there and check out what we're doing. Uh, reach out to us if you have questions and we'll be more than happy to hear from y'all.
0: The yeah. only thing I know is that Johnny and Alexa Turnage, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. Um, I just started TikTok. My TikTok has been really fun. <laughs> um... That is. All the socials, LinkedIn. Um, Yeah, but check out the website. You can join the waitlist. Our newsletter is going out soon. And on the website, the banner to the crowdfunding campaign is there as well. Um, You'll see it. And the cool part about the crowdfunding campaign, we've gotten a lot of media attention. Like We keep looking back, but you get to see the journey in the articles as well. Um, And that's where we're going to be dropping all our next few updates.
1: Dope. Dope. I really love it. Uh, This interview has been nothing but a wealth of knowledge and uh, really eye opening to understand what your journey is as a couple in tech, also being black in tech and entering these spaces. So um, I got a lot from it. So I hope that you all have gotten a lot from it as well. But I just want to thank both of you for your time once again and pulling up to Black Fridays. And I want to thank everybody for tapping in and we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: Peace.